0: Welcome to the News & Views podcast by The Fintech Times. Established in 2016, The Fintech Times is a global multimedia news outlet centred around the world's first leading fintech newspaper. We report on the latest and brightest ideas from the fintech world. Follow the conversation using hashtag TFC News and, Views and follow us at The Fintech Times. Hi, I'm Polly Jean Harrison, Features Editor at The Fintech Times.
1: Hi, I'm Francis
2: Bignall and I'm a journalist at The Fintech Times.
1: Hi, I'm Tyler Smith. And I'm a journalist at the Fintech Times.
0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Fintech Times News and Views podcast. Francis, Tyler, how are you guys doing this week? It's a bit warm in it, I think. Let's start with that. It's a bit warm.
2: That's an understatement, I think. I think the necessity to have a window open and a fan on constantly is, uh, I don't know, I think it's almost becoming annoying now.
0: And then when you're trying to record a podcast and you have to shut all your windows and turn your fan off because it's too noisy and so you just suffer.
2: Exactly that. It's
0: not ideal. Not ideal. Not ideal. Tyler, how about you? How are you doing this week?
1: It's been a really good week. I, I can't believe it's already over. We, we've we been very busy at the FinTech Times this week. We've moved to office, which has been really, really fantastic. We've got an, a bigger space and big windows. And uh, just today, we were really busy putting up some new pictures so, you know, putting our mark on the place—it's—it looks really good, actually. Yeah, really happy to to move. But it, yeah, you're right. It's been very hot in there. Yesterday when we moved in, but it's a bit cooler now, thank goodness. So.
0: I think me and Francis will look forward to going to see the office in person, since we're not there right now. But um, it's all very exciting times. You're
1: always with us. You're In always spirit, with yeah. Us, I mean, have
0: you put up the giant um, shrine to to me yet in the office? Is that up yet?
2: Sorry, I think you, that was autocorrect. I think you mean to Francis, but. That's okay.
0: Ah, oh, right. Right. Anyway, before we get shouted out, uh, what are you guys going to be talking about this week?
1: Well, it's funny you should ask that, uh, Polly. This week, we're going to be looking at the Open Invention Network. What is it? Who are they? What do they do? We'll find out when uh, we come around to my segment. Francis, what about you? What you got in store for us today? Uh I don't think I can really follow that up. That
2: just sounds too exciting. Mine is a bit more simple, but equally as interesting, I would argue. Is salary finance a new payday loan? Payday loans uh, have a very bad reputation. Is salary finance
0: taking that on as well?
2: We shall find out.
0: Fantastic. And then my uh, story this week is how fintechs are no longer perceived as a threat for the majority of banks. Uh, So three very different articles, three very exciting things to be talking about. Uh, Francis, you sold yours to me, so I'm going to make you go first again.
2: Really? I, I thought Tyler had taken it on that one, but...
0: No, no, honestly, like no, you sold it. I'm I'm intrigued. What
2: can I say? What can I say? I've got the gift of the gab. <laughs> so, my article this week is very much sort of a part of our of our paytech focus in June at the FinTech Times. And as we were looking at uh, early paydays as our penultimate focus, our current focus, or current focus that would have just finished actually considering when this podcast will go out it would have been it was bmpl this past week but previously we were looking at early paydays and as such we were discussing salary finance which is sort of like the overarching term for accessing accessing your wages before the the traditional payday as it were and if that's becoming the new payday loan and of course payday loans payday loan shops i should say have an awful reputation like i said in that little intro which was also convincing. But yeah, they've got this reputation of sort of spiraling people into debt, and sort of as soon as you use it once, it becomes like an ever sort of never ending spiral, even. So, as I said, rounding out our focus on early paydays, we compare a new offering to reach the market with an old archaic one. The offerings in question are salary finance and payday loans. With uh, both promising money to help ends meet before the official payday, they share a lot in common. However, payday loans charged a lot of interest, often keeping those who use them in a vicious cycle of having to take out another loan to pay off the interest, and so on. So whilst theoretically salary finance, an overarching term for cash advances, schemes or any other ways that staff can draw funds before their official pay date, is a way of avoiding the need for a payday loan, are they really that different, as employees must pay a fee in order to use the service? So what we did at the FinTech Times is we reached out to the industry to get their views. And we had a variety of different viewpoints that I wanted to summarize before throwing it over to you guys to get your views. So the first was that salary finance provides a competitive edge. And we heard this from the Clearinghouse. And the idea was is that the more options that an employer can provide to their employee, the more attractive the business will appear. So salary finance isn't a necessity. You don't need to use it, but just having it there in case of an emergency or in case of anything that might come up, an employee can pay the small fee that is needed and have this early access to their wage, and then that's a, that's a benefit, you know. Compared to an, uh, a business that might not be offering this, that, that might sway employees to work there. The second point came from Income Group, and it suggested that the challenges of payday loans have shifted to salary finance, and that the, the small fees that you need to pay add up and therefore the sort of spiral that people found themselves in having to pay interest it's still there and this idea that you're getting your your wage early isn't actually all that beneficial because you know you're not actually getting all of it and these people that that tend to use the service they need they're working from from payday to payday so they need every single penny they can get and then the final viewpoint came from fintech week london which looked at in moderation salary finance is a good thing so it's sort of similar to the first view that when it's needed it can be used and it can be very very helpful but if it becomes overly relied upon then users and employees can easily find themselves in sort of a spiral of debt and a vicious one at that one that they won't be able to get out of easily because oh sorry not debt uh the fees that they need to pay off will be equivalent to debt. They won't have to pay interest, but with all their fees, sorry, amounting up, it will be the equivalent of being in debt. So I wanted to throw it over to you guys and see what you thought about salary finance and if you think it's the new payday loan. Uh, Polly, I'll go to you first.
0: Yeah, thanks, Francis. I think this is a really interesting, for want of a better word, because I know we say the word interesting a lot, but this is a really interesting topic. um And I remember, you know, when payday loans were the thing, you know, you couldn't watch the telly for five minutes without a different payday loan provider um having an advert on and obviously you know a lot has come out since then and how they've really kind of very much died a death i think i don't even know if if you can get a payday loan at least in the way that it did exist say 10 years ago i don't even know if you can get one now at least you know all from the companies that were offering them i think i am agreeing uh with Uh, fintech week london and the opinion that was given by raf in that i i do think that it's just you know as with anything it's all about how you use it you know it's salary finance is a product it is a financial product that can be useful to many 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 people as long as they use it correctly and i think that's the case with a lot of different um financial products you know yes there are some risks to it but there are risks to pretty much everything, you know, there are risks to using buy now, pay later, we all know about those there are risks to investing, we all know about those too, there are risks to buying cryptocurrency, you know, there are risks in every aspect of the finance industry. I think the where this is coming from, I guess when we think about risks is that it's it's risks to the the little guy, I suppose you know, it's, it's everyday people who are going to get harmed and especially at the moment with the cost of living crisis and everything just being a ridiculous amount of money I can see why there's a bit more concern surrounding things like salary finance because it would be the you know the the average consumer member of the public that would be negatively affected by that which no one wants um but yeah i think you know at the end of the day it's just it's all about using things correctly if you use it correctly then there's no problem with it and and i that, that's what i think
2: yeah i completely agree and in raf's point he sort of mentions that he makes the the comparison sorry to bnpl and i think like you mentioned it's, it's a very sort of a good point that when used in moderation, is it, the tech is fantastic. It can really help sort of your average person make ends meet and afford things they may have not been able to afford otherwise. And similarly, he mentions like when it comes to investing, if you take out an early, an early wage to invest in something, doing it sort of on the odd occasion, and if it's something that you really believe in, then it becomes worthwhile. It just becomes a problem when you start losing out on huge amounts of money, paying the fees to access this this service when it's just not really necessary and you know the fees will add up in the end and then you know things that you thought you could afford you can't anymore because you've just lost i don't know a hundred quid just paying to access this early pay service so it does have its benefits in moderation so i would agree with you there but it's just you know if it's used too much it just can't be good tyler do you agree or disagree
1: i definitely agree with everything that you've raised so far i i really liked uh raf's comment on, on using it in moderation. Just so just so I'm clear though, when I looked at income groups Ian Wheeler's comment, he cited uh, a two pound charge for every time that you wanted to to access his finance. And I think I think that that is less of a cost than payday loans. Personally I'd never I'd never engaged in, in either, so it's very difficult for me to give a sort of a practical view on it. But I, I don't know why you would then have to pay to get your income early. I think there should be another way around this where we can sort of find another solution in in how people are able to access their salary in real time. And it's something we've covered a lot here at the FinTech Times. I'm just really, it, it doesn't sit right with me that people are paying to access their own money. If that makes sense? And I understand from like an accounting standpoint how that could be tricky, but I do think that there's FinTech solutions out there that could blow both of these options out of the water so it's very very interesting I I, I personally would opt to go into payday financing instead of, of do, doing payday loans but I think it's a very I, I think one is is worse than the other definitely absolutely yeah and for sure payday loans they became known as sort of payday sharks didn't they
2: they they earned that title. They they really weren't good, and I don't think salary finance really has that same negative effect. But I think sort of the point that Ian Wheeler was point uh, was trying to get to. Sorry, was that he states many workers who relied on payday loans needed every penny to count. And I mean, when you're relying on even sort of fifty p, two pounds suddenly becomes out a lot out of your uh, out of your wage. And this is only going to probably be, from my understanding, sort of maybe once or twice a month but then sort of add that up within a year that's sort of 20 to 40 quid sort of being spent just to access this service and again if you're someone who's really needing every penny to count from from payday to payday or sorry you're living payday to payday it becomes difficult because this it just it it seems like you're losing money which you've earned and sure it's not to the same extent as a payday as a payday loan shark in the sense that there's not these huge spiraling percentages of interest that are being charged and thrown your way. So in that sense, it is better. But this idea that you just become reliant on it, you didn't get your full your full salary because you had to pay this little service. So then the following month, you need to then access it early again. And then that's where you sort of get in this vicious cycle. So they both have vicious cycles. One is worse than the other. But yeah, so that's that's where I think they're coming from. But, you know, I think... Like, like we sort of said, in moderation, salary finance is a very good thing, much like BNPL. So we shall see where it goes. And Tyler, I really hope you are correct in that a, a service comes out that says, you know, here's your here's your money for free. We don't need to pay a service for a service fee for it. That would be ideal. But we shall see. We shall see. On that, Tyler, let's go over to your article.
1: Thank you, Francis. Well, I thought that was a really interesting discussion. Uh, my article that I mentioned at the beginning was about the Open Invention Network. Now, this really, really caught my eye. And when I was speaking to the PR for the for the network, they were like, this is something that's really coming up in the fintech industry. It's not peaked yet, and it's 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 gonna only get worse. Now, what is the open invention network? So basically. It's, it's like, a, it, it describes itself as a patent non-aggression community. It's a community of about 3,600 members, and essentially what it does is it protects the integrity of open source operating systems, also known as Linux systems. Now Linux systems were, were introduced to the world in uh, September 1991 by Linus Torvalds. I hope I've got his name right. And basically, Linux systems are, are essentially operating systems and they're, they're almost always shared and they power things like databases, emails, a lot of financing tools. So what is, what is the, the problem here? Well, essentially what happens is that we've got a lot of people uh, called non-practicing entities, NPEs, who sign on to a patent, which means that they, they own a product or a service or a, a particular invention and a non-practicing entity is somebody that owns the patent but doesn't produce it. And when uh, they sent me over the report, it showed that it went through all different sectors, like fashion, all of it, like food, and the financial services industry, between 2020 and 2021, they had a 100% increase in non-practicing entities taking people to court. In the financial industry, and this was the highest of any sector that the the report recorded. So basically, what the Open Invention Network does is it buys these patents, and it it like sort of leases them to their members for a royalty on a royalty free basis, so that the 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 members can use it as long as they don't attack the integrity of the Linux system. So. That's essentially what it does. The, the The sort of narrative of the story was that the Royal Bank of Canada had actually just signed on to this network, so it's become a member. And it's joined um, It's joined some other very interesting companies this year, inclu- including uh, Avantest, Truist and Meersk. I hope I haven't butchered that last company name. But um, I think what I really want to emphasise here is that people hoarding patents they're known as patent trolls and uh, people hoarding patents and stopping other people from using them or producing products or innovating products off the back of these patents it stops the entire process and obviously that's very very limiting to the fintech industry and it is it, a very aggressive way to assert market dominance so i think it was a really really interesting interesting uh, article and I, I was just wondering, like, because this was complete news to me. I I'd, I'd never sort of really considered this in the fintech industry. I it wasn't it wasn't anything that I thought was a problem until now, and I'm just wondering what is your guys' take on on patent abuse and patent trolls. I mean. Is it something that you've come across before? And what do you think this kind of behavior will do to the progression of the FinTech industry?
2: Yeah, so similar to you Tyler, I'd never even thought about this. You're always hearing about sort of the great innovations that are taking place in FinTech and sort of in the financial sector in general. You're always hearing like, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. So it doesn't really ever come across your mind that you you don't ever think, oh wait, there might be some sort of resistance to this or there might be some people trying to stop this. And it sort of just comes across, Oh, it came across to me as like, there are some really, really selfish people out there who are just being lazy and suing off the back of great innovations. And, you know, I think the the Royal Bank of Canada joining the Open Invention Network just really sort of goes to show that how much they're trying to encourage innovation, which is something that's just essential in fintech. You can't have a successful fintech without innovation. And it's sort of like... Whenever we see uh, we, we get a press release in our in our inbox it always says we've created this new innovative creative idea and sure it sort of is just a, just an adjective just to be like, Oh look how great it is but it does have some sort of reason behind it. It's not just a a word for the sake of using it. All the sort of creations that are being made are being made to help somebody or a specific group and i feel like when you're seeing these patent trolls just stopping this innovation from taking place it's a real shame so i'm really happy to see that the royal bank of canada has joined the oin and hopefully it will be something that other that other banks and other financial services that they join as well because then it'll just create a better community i think and you know i think that's essential
1: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Francis. And what really annoyed me about this is that they were non-practicing entities. So they weren't producing the service, and yet they were still happy to sue people who were trying to offer it to the public. I I just didn't understand that. I mean, why would you have a a patent if if you weren't going to use it you know it's almost like oh i'll buy the patent and then i'll just make money off suing people it's it's a really aggressive and quite a negative kind of behavior that is emerging within the fintech industry
2: but surely that's got to be time consuming and expensive as well to actually go and sue people so it seems counterproductive i don't see why you do it it's not passive income to sue people it's, it's a long and arduous process. It doesn't make sense.
1: No, and I, I like initially I thought, well, oh, well, the the Open Invention Network are just asserting their own dominance because they're buying all of these p- patents. But actually, what they're doing is they're buying them and making sure that people can use them for free, which I really liked. Polly, what's your take on this?
0: Yeah, I mean, similar to you guys, uh, I had never thought about patents within the fintech industry, and generally, I don't spend a lot of my time thinking about patents in my in my personal life either. Uh, but I, it's a really, yeah, it's an interesting situation. Patent troll is an excellent word, um, a horrible thing though. I guess you've got to remember the that there there is sort of the the side of things where patents are a good thing and they do protect, um, you know the whatever it is that they are, is patented. You know, obviously there's a reason patents were created and they're taken out, um, and so having a patent on something isn't a bad thing. Uh, it's a good thing because it means you get to you know, protect your technology your innovation, whatever it is that it might be. However, in this scenario, where it is a case of just people having the patents, putting them on the shelf and then bring them out only when someone else is trying to do something. Yes, I can see that is an issue and one that obviously needs to be resolved. I think these kind of communities are a really fantastic idea. Um, and patent sharing again a really fantastic idea that's the whole point of a patent I think is that you know they they are technically there to be shared just to give the credit and money or whatever it is to the original patenter if that's the terminology Um, but no it's it's interesting and I I do think that having this patent sharing is going to be a really great thing for the fintech industry as well as many other industries and I wonder I wonder how far it can go. I wonder how, how much, how far you can take this idea.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, when we look at exactly what it's trying to protect, the Linux systems, I mean, these are, the Linux system is the base of, of almost everything, like the databases, email servers, you know, things like that, things that people use every day. And I, I just don't see why you would want to attack a shared system like that. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with you about what you said with with the patent, like why it would exist. But then I don't see the point of having a patent for something that you're not going to produce, you know. And you, We see so much innovation in the fintech industry and we see so many ideas going around that it sort of raises a more ethical question. Well, how, w- at what level do you own something, you know? I think this is a really good move by the Bank of... Royal Bank of Canada. I really like the Open Invention Network, and thank you for their CEO for adding me on LinkedIn. I must add that, um, and hopefully, hopefully more more to come from them, I, I really, I really do hope so. Yeah, uh, Polly, what have you got in store for us this week?
0: Yeah, so I wanted to talk about um, a new uh, report uh, and some research that has found that fintech is no longer a bigger threat to banks as it perhaps once was. Um, So a new report from Economist Impact titled Threat Assessment 2022 Digital Competition in Global Finance um, found that 54 percent of C-suite executives believe that their financial institutions have faced greater competition over the past three years from digital alternatives. However, they are now in a better place to compete. So the survey was commissioned by WSO2. Um, And it also found that 84% of respondents reported that they have, to some extent or more, the necessary technological tools to create new digital products and services. Now, I really wanted to talk about this today because I just thought, number one, the headline was like super grabbing, fintech is not a threat anymore. It's like, oh, okay, because that's kind of what we talk about a lot, isn't it? How fintech is the great disruptor and how it is there to challenge the traditional finance industry. But now the traditional finance industry is perhaps not feeling as challenged anymore what does that mean at least what does that mean for fintech going forward what does that mean for finance because i think you know the whole point of fintech at its inception was to create a more competitive financial environment and has it done that does that mean you know fintech is done it's finished it's over what what does that mean i just thought it was super interesting uh, but anyway so Um, Many of the banking firms responded to the fintech competition uh, via this research by investing in their digital presence. So among the survey respondents, 47% said they are serving customers via digital channels, such as, you know, online or mobile applications. Um, and 77% of these executives predict that their organisation will serve customers via digital channels to a large or greater extent over the next two years. So the growth of new digital entrants into the banking sector is also shifting views on who is a competitor versus, you know, who is a potential partner. Because, you know, I think that's something that we've talked about a lot as well is co-opetition, competition versus cooperation. You know, what, where is the line drawn? And that is something that is very much coming to the forefront of the industry so, and this is like, you know, a huge contrast to sort of the sphere of competition from fintechs only a few years ago, whereas now it's more a case of let's all work together to make things better. Um, so, yeah, I, I wanted to just throw it straight over to you guys. You know, what what do you think about this? It's, has fintech done its job? Can fintech go home? Because it's it's done it. Or does this just mean that fintech needs to work a little bit harder to be uh, even more competitive again? Uh, Tyler, what do you think?
1: I think I'm out of a job, Polly. You know, fintechs over. See, see you all later, really. No, I thought this was a really interesting article. First of all, Walden well Francis. And um, I thought that I don't really see any problem with like added competition. I really do think that the incumbents need to be challenged by fintechs, and I think that it's sort of in, fintech has sort of inspired these incumbent banks to rise. To the level of fintechs, and, and it's really sort of made innovation and cutting edge services like really necessary because there's so many, you know, like you only have to look at our inbox to know how many fintech companies there are. So, I, I think that it's it chosen the healthy and natural progression of the market. I think now it's sort of over to fintechs to sort of prove what's next. What what else can you pull out the bag? Because they're not feeling threatened by you anymore. And I almost feel like fintechs are more agile in a sense. I, I think they're backed by less capital, but I think they're they're more agile in what they're able to do. And especially with things like uh, open banking coming into play, I, I think you know they're they're in a position to better themselves constantly. And I think. It's going to be from now. I think it's going to be sort of a game of of looking at who's overtaking who in a way, you know. And I think also banks and they are they they are. But I I think the banks need to look at working with these fintechs more and and, and not seeing them as a threat as you as you put in the article. You know that, that actually they're not a threat. They're they're actually a benefit if you know how to use them and how to work with them. So so yeah, I. I think it's I think it's good market integrity. I think it's healthy market integrity and I, I think that we shall see, you know, who else who's going to do what next. Francis, what's your view on this?
2: It's funny sort of as you
1: guys said uh, Tyler you said oh I'm out of the job Polly you said
2: sort of this fintech completed all that I could think about was Jay Hart right from the in between is going yeah, completed it mate. Fintech completed it mate. But yeah, I'm I'm in mean, sort of two mindsets about it really because in on the one hand, you know, 48% of banks uh, have partnered with fintechs according to the article. But that still means 52% haven't and the majority still haven't partnered with fintechs then. So there is this idea that sure, competition has sort of developed and is a good thing. But at the same time, I think there's we're still sort of edging towards the side of competition. I don't think everyone's sort of buddy-buddy and friendly now. I think there are still this... Banks, sorry, like the legacy banks, the traditional incumbents still have this idea of we're going to sort of lone wolf this. Saying that, so the vice president of WSO2 did say, banks once jealously guarded their data on proprietary systems to grow their customers and revenue share. Today they are accelerating their growth by partnering with fintechs to add new services, embedded banking as a service solutions in online retail offerings and tapping the insights of agencies with big data expertise. And I think... What we're seeing is that the incumbents are more likely to be open to partnerships now. I think that is something that we have seen and this idea that sort of only 12% of survey respondents are seeing FinTechs as competition and not in any sort of way as sort of someone they can com- uh, cooperate with. I think that's sort of telling of this of this sort of shifting mood in the industry. 26% of respondents identified banking as a service or embedded finance organizations some from non-financial firms like tech companies and telecom providers as bigger competitors. But I think that's sort of just like the new kid on the block jealousy more than anything else. I think there's an instant reaction when some a new entrant comes in that they're automatically going to be sort of competition. We should be scared of them. That's what we saw with fintech a few years ago. And now if you look at it, everyone's sort of calmed down and they're partnering. And I think that's probably what we're going to see in the future with um, banking as a service and embedded finance organisations too. And, you know, it sort of goes back to this idea that, you know, innovation's always a good thing. And, you know, by partnering, these incumbents can stay relevant and they don't need to fear losing their their cl- uh, clientele.
0: Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, really. You know, it's, it's all about what's the best for the financial industry. And the financial industry is, you know doing pretty well I think I, I I should probably know that but I mean anyway fantastic discussion once again guys uh, really really enjoyable three very different topics this week which is always good nice bit of variety uh, so let's move swiftly on to what I learned this week so each week we get so much new information about the fintech world crossing our desks being on the editorial team that we are learning something brand new all the time so we thought it'd be fun to share that with you all listening Uh, So, Francis, what did you learn this week?
2: Again, we didn't think I would go a whole week without talking about crypto. So, in the US, Shiba Inu is the most Googled crypto in 19 states. Bitcoin is only the most Googled in 17. And the fact that Shiba Inu, some have stated, is a dying crypto, sort of meme coins are done, yet it's still the highest Googled crypto in the US. I found that very interesting
1: and not what I expected.
0: Awesome. Tyler, what did you learn this week?
1: Oh, I was waiting for somebody to say crypto. <laughs> well, um, well, this this week we were doing uh, Buy Now, Pay Later in our PayTech series. And it's. I, I know it sounds really sort of like boring, but I didn't know that it was complicated to return products that you bought with Buy Now, Pay Later. This was something that was emphasised. We, we, I did an article about the drawbacks of Buy Now, Pay Later. And it was actually... Uh, emphasized by teammates gallia beer gable and i thought that it was just really because i don't use buy now pay later i just thought oh you just return it but no no you don't so um so yeah that that's one of the e-commerce complications of buy now pay later one of the drawbacks um what about you polly what did you learn
0: Yeah, thank you. So I learned this week that schools in the Aberdeenshire region have begun educating students about good financial practices after teaming up with Acumen Financial Planning. People are listening, guys. They listened to this podcast and heard how much we go on about financial education. They're listening. Uh, So the financial planning company have created a huge range of resources as part of its aim to provide greater access to financial education for young people. Fantastic. Let's keep it going. Uh, so I think uh, that brings us to the end once again of the podcast this week. It's as always, it has been a pleasure to discuss fintech with you both. Uh, let roll on next week.
1: Lovely guys, it's been a year if it's been a day. I will uh, yeah speak to you all next week. Thank you very much.
2: We are now official influencers With Finfluencers. Finfluencer, yeah, what a day we to my industry. I know, but like people are listening. People are listening.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to the News and Views podcast by the FinTech Times. Don't miss next week's episode and continue the conversations using hashtag #TFTNewsAndViews and follow us at The FinTech Times.